Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Football season is here, and so are we just two days out from kicking out off the 2023 NFL season. And if the pro game week one is anything like what we have seen in college football, we are in for a treat. We are in for chaos. I'm Stormy Bonantoni alongside former longtime NFL executive Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi line on VEASAN, the sports betting network. We have a ton to discuss today, Michael, a jam-packed two hours ahead. But it is also officially, drumroll, book drop day. Congratulations. Football done right. Officially out today. Thank you, Stormy. Yeah, it's a good day. Finally, it takes so long to write one. It takes a while to get it out there. But a lot of people to thank uh, for all their help, uh, certainly making this project uh, come to fruition, especially a lot of the people here at VEASAN that allowed me the the time to work on it and also the time to promote it. So it's it's good to be part of the VEASAN family, starting with the Musburgers. And I hope people read it. And I hope they read the television chapter because not because I work for the Musburgers at VEASAN here with DraftKings Network, but because of the impact that Brent had on the game. I think that chapter will really uh, allow people some insight into how important he was to the the way pro football has become such a popular sport and how betting linked that together. Oh, absolutely. And he's the voice of so many memories of the game for so many people. It's yeah. it's really fascinating. I, I can't imagine all of the hard work and research that went into that for you, Michael. Also, great on you and great on anybody who's trying to become a VEASAN subscriber here in the near future because if you use the promo code Lombardi, Michael's giving you a free copy of the book in addition to the subscription. So uh, great on you to do that. And I, I'm just excited for the debates to begin on the way that some <laughs> of those... It, yeah. No, you're excited for them. <laughs> they call me an idiot and they no, rip me. That's what I you're waiting never. on. I could see it. Come on. No, I, I look, look. You know, I think the thing is, it. it I, I think one of the things you have to do is start a conversation. And I think the one thing we learned with the outpouring of of people talking about Jimmy Buffett, for example, you know, he was really he sold escapism and he was true to himself. And I think you have to put out there what you believe. And if people react to it, great. If they don't, that's that's on them. And the, always the conversation will linger. And pro football, one thing we do know, there's a lot of conversation about the Hall of Fame. 
There's a lot of conversation about who belongs in the hall, who doesn't belong in the hall. And hopefully if you read my book, I lay it out. You can disagree, which is everybody's right, but at least you could understand my points. Yeah, and I can't wait to get my hands on a hard copy here soon. I, I know that's in the mail, so thank you for that. Yes, and it is. Well, that, that's on the postal, which I destroyed the po uh, poor Ocean City's postal <laughs> I people. <bet. laughs> I mean, the guy behind me in line, I, I literally, he's not buying a book. I can promise you that. The guy, there was one person at the United States Post Office here at Ocean City. We only have one post office. And, uh, and the guy behind me, I think there's no chance he'll ever buy a book or tune into any other programming. You should have just handed him one and just been like, I'm sorry for, for putting you through this. I would have handed him one. I would have told him to read his huh? mail. I would have paid for it. Yeah. But yeah, he was a little angry. Oh, no. Needless oh, to say. No. Okay. Well, hey, well, your book, I know there's going to be some debate on things. What there is no debate is the butt whooping that Duke put oh, on man. number nine Clemson last night, Michael. Oh, my goodness. As a... Two touchdown, near two touchdown underdog. Duke wins by three touchdowns, 28-7 to last night at home. One of the biggest wins in Duke football history. And I'm still just kind of confused at what we watched. Like, we talked about it yesterday, how this is a Duke program that's on the up and up. The 17 return, returning starters, including Riley Leonard at quarterback, and that there's positive things about this Duke team moving forward. But you could not have predicted this would happen to Clemson, a top 10 team in the country this year. No, you couldn't. And all the talk about we're changing the offense and, yeah. you know, Klubnik is going to be a better player, and it was, and the problems still seem to be there. I mean, look, Duke did their best, you know, to try to keep Clemson in the game, in all honesty. I mean, they turned it over too, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't that, you know, now, you know, Duke only had one penalty the entire day, which is impressive, right? Mike Elko's staff did a great job. But I think what's happened to Clemson a little bit is they've caught this – we are a big-time program fever, and I'm not sure the evaluations. I know they're getting four and five stars, but that can be very misleading, right? Mm -hmm. We think Clemson is really talented, and we think some people think that Colorado had no players. Well, I can say this. Watching Colorado's receivers compared to Clemson receivers, I'm taking Colorado's guys. They're mm -hmm. legit. Like, Clemson struggled to get open. And I don't want to hear about level of competition. So I think if Dabo's honest with himself, and I know he said that this was one of the most uh, – how did he put it? I think Weird, it was – Like one of the weirdest know, games he's ever been a part of. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of this is in recruiting, right? Always in football, there's design problems and there's a production problem. And sometimes we get those confused. The design is how do we build this team. The production is how we execute. And to me, when I, that Clemson team, I don't know how you feel. You cover college football a lot. That didn't look like the same type Clemson team I was used to seeing four years ago. No, it didn't. And we've seen this kind of weird tick down from the Clemson Tigers, too, where, I mean, now, they've lost three of their last four games now for the first time in 12 years under Dabo Sweeney, since year three that he was the head coach of this team. It's, it's very uncharacteristic. I was extremely disappointed in all of the talk and hype up this offseason about bringing in Garrett Riley as the offensive coordinator and what he could do with Cade Klubnik. How many tweets did you see last night, Michael, that maybe DJ Uyunglele wasn't the problem? Like, that's what, yeah. what we kept seeing. And to your point about what Dabo Sweeney had to say, we do have the soundbite here. So let's listen to Dabo on what was what he said, the weirdest game he might have ever been a part of. We just self-imploded in some critical situations. And again, 
you got to finish. And, and it was routine stuff. I mean, the basics, the basics, the fundamentals, you know, ball handling, uh, just some basic, basic stuff, not jumping offside on first and goal from the one, uh, you know, basic stuff. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's just, it's a, again, it's the weirdest game I've ever been a part of. I mean, I've been beat. I've had my butt kicked many times in my career, but I, I, I can't, I can honestly say I haven't, I, that's, that's one of the strangest games I've ever been a part of. And I'll give you some context to what he said there. Clemson one and four in the red zone, got to the one first and goal. Um, numerous times get no points, three turnovers, two blocked kicks. Duke just took advantage of Clemson's miscues time and time again. And to your point, it's not like Duke played a perfect game here. They had a lot of mistakes, um, but they were able to capitalize and and take over in issues where Clemson was just like couldn't get out of their own way a lot of times. He even said the stat in his presser as well, Michael, that Clemson as a team, 58-0 when they've rushed for 200 and passed for 200 yards in a game under Dabo Sweeney, 108-0 leading up to this game in Clemson's history when they have those types of numbers. Now it's 108-1. Well, I think what it shines a light on is the importance of situational football. Like, I don't know why that game seemed weird to Dabo. When why do we practice red zone offense and defense? Because it's one of the most critical components towards winning. You know, we're in the handicapping business, right? And so you look at the New York football giants last year. They gave up a ton of yards, but they were the fifth best team on third down defense. They were the fifth best team in red zone defense. That's why they won nine games. I mean, it's really not a complex problem. You turn the ball over. You don't score in the red zone. You, you give up block kicks. It's a recipe for losing. Mm-hmm. Like so, I didn't know why it was so weird. It like it wasn't like there was a bad call or you know they they should have called pass interference and they didn't. Like it was a mistake game. And the lesson is, which we all should know, you have to avoid losing before you can win. And Clemson never avoided losing last night. And Duke didn't avoid losing. They just avoided it less. And so they only had, you know, they're plus one in the turnover takeaway column, but the miss, the two, see, this is where it gets deceiving, right? When you miss a field goal, it doesn't count in turnovers, but you end up yeah. with no points, right? Yeah. So I've been arguing for 10 years, miss kicks, block kicks are turnovers. It should go in the turnover column. Michael, And you, you say, well, that's yeah. not fair because the kicker, how do you know he's going to make it? Well, look, you turn the ball over. Yeah. Forget about what the odds are. You turn the ball over. And if you turn the ball over, it should go in the turnover category. No, I'm in agreement with you there. You you mentioned the word lessons, and I saw this funny video on, on Twitter as well last night that I want to share of Duke quarterback Riley Leonard talking about a, a lesson that, that he might have missed in terms of a lesson plan in school. Watch this. Professor Taylor, if you're seeing this, please let me turn in my homework late because it's due tonight, I think, at 12, so it may already be 12. Professor Taylor, if you're seeing this, please... Let me turn in my homework late because it's due tonight. I think it's 12, so it may already be 12. Had homework due last night. I think he should get a pass. What do you say? Yeah, I think he should. (laughs) You know, he's from Fairhope, Alabama, uh, down there where the Senior Bowl is, which is kind of interesting, right? Here's another young quarterback that looks like, oh, my gosh, you got to watch him. you got to take that. Look, I think one of the things we don't talk enough about is how teams win, right? What are the criteria towards winning? And if you're going to set up a power ranking system like I do and a lot of handicappers do, is you've got to understand what are the critical components towards winning, right? 
points per possession, points per play, red zone trip margin, right? You know, it, when you allow more than 50 rushes and completions, these all these areas, and they're broken down. Like, points per possession is 96% of a win total. Well, when you get kicks blocked and you have seven points in, what, 13, 14 possessions, you're not winning that game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what made – that's not a weird game. Like, we know that going in. Like, when Dabo's writing on his scorecard, he should know that – we're not getting points per possession here. Ninety-six percent of the chance that, that we don't do that, we're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Yep, you can't deny it, and uh, especially in the red zone when you need to capitalize, those miscues can't happen there. Big picture in the ACC, Clemson goes from a co-favorite with Florida State after Florida State's win over LSU. They are now an even money favorite. Clemson plus four fifty. That season win total of ten for the Tigers. And eh, not looking so good right now. No. Duke, meanwhile, goes from 40 to 1 in the ACC to 14 to 1. And if you bet they're under six and a half, maybe not so pleased right now. We're turning our attention to the NFL when we return. We're just getting started here on the Lombardi line. This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to the Lombardi line. Our very own Michael Lombardi has just written his second book, Football Done Right, setting the record straight on coaches, players, and history of the NFL. That bad boy comes out today, and for a limited time, you can get a free copy of the book when you become a VEASAN Pro annual subscriber. Sign up for a new VEASAN Pro annual subscription today and use the promo code LOMBARDI. You'll get the free copy as well as an entire year of VEASAN Pro access to our daily best bets, season prep betting guides, 24-7 video, and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits. Again, that promo code is LOMBARDI when you sign up for the VEASAN Pro annual subscription it's a limited time offer, so get in there now, vcin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to the Lombardi line on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed it, the breaking news moments ago, just before we went to break, Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid telling reporters Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee during practice today, and his status is uncertain for the season opener on Thursday night football against the Detroit Lions coming up. That is a spread that we have seen hold Strong at six and a half for a while now. And with the news just sprinkling out, we've already seen it tick down to six. Wonder where that number eventually will go. Um, Let's further the conversation with Jay Feely, CBS Sports NFL analyst, 14-year kicker in the NFL, four-time Emmy winner at Jay Feely on X. Crazy news for the defending Super Bowl champions. What's your immediate thought and how that will impact them game one with him unavailable? Well, my immediate thought is that Tony just went up in fantasy drafts <laughs> that are going on this week. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you think about losing Juju and not having McCole Hardman, you're like, okay, but we still have Travis Kelsey, and then you lose Patrick Mahomes' go-to receiver, or you possibly could lose him. Um, you know, that, that's a huge blow for this Chiefs team. And, and you're sitting there with the Lions, and, you know, you sit, you sit and think about the Lions, and you say to yourself, when is the last time they've had a game this big? You know, it's been a long time. You get an opportunity to try and establish yourself week one by getting the win against the defending Super Bowl champions and the Kansas City Chiefs, and that would really legitimize this Lions team coming into the season. Yeah, no question. And, I mean, look, hyperextended knee, you know, in practice, that's not something that is easy to come back from, especially, 
you know, when you do when it's when this is Thursday, Friday, this is actually the Friday practice, right, Jay? And so, you know, yeah, not a lot of time. When we're in, yeah, there's not a lot of time to get ready for Sunday night, and so that's going to be hard. I want your commentary. You, you know, the kicking market as we've kind of gone through this end of the season, end of preseason, right? Cade York, you know, wasn't quite had a good camp. Moody wasn't as good. Do you? But then. When you look, Carlson cut, but can't, has, is tremendous. Elliott cut, yep. and now he's tremendous, right? And and Buckner cut, drafted and cut, and tremendous. Do you think the Browns will regret cutting Cade York because they couldn't get him straightened out? I, I know he's talented, Mike. And I think my biggest takeaway when you you know you bring up all those names of guys that have become really good kickers is. Why and you would be a great person to ask this, you know, having been in the front offices. But why draft a kicker and not have a coach in place that knows how to help develop the kicker? You would never draft a quarterback and not have a quarterback coach that can coach him, you know. But they do that all the time with kickers, and you know, then you give up on a guy because you don't know how to correct him, you don't know how to tangibly fix him. You just want him to go fix it himself, and if he's not good enough, I'm going to get somebody else. You know, I think that's one of the areas where where, where teams, NFL teams, are negligent. Yeah, well, you know, and, and I thought the same thing, too, because he's army kicking, Jay. It's right, and then it's left, then it's right. Then yeah. it, like, you know, from do, you've done it way more and understand it, but, like, you know when you miss something right, what's wrong. When you miss it left, you know. But this kid seems like he's all over the place. He's got a really big leg, and, and when you watch him – there's a couple of fundamental things that I saw last year. You know, the first thing you're thinking was, okay, is it the holder? Because their holder, Bohorquez, had struggled at times. He lost his job in Buffalo basically because he wasn't a great holder. And then Mason Crosby had a bad year in Green Bay. But when I watched all the holds, you know, his holds were, were fine. And so it was really about Cade York himself. And it was about really foot positioning. I think he was inconsistent and poor with, you know, his plant foot. But those are just technical things that, you know, if somebody knows, has been there and done that uh, before, and they can go in there and they can help a guy technically, but even more importantly, if they can help him mentally, because I think that's the biggest thing. You know, for me, you know, I had, I failed as bad as I could fail when I was with the New York Giants and had a horrible game against Seattle and a really big game in December. And Saturday Night Live did a spoof about me that weekend called the Jay Feely story, the long ride home. And, you know, as I was getting ready to play the next game, and, and because I overcame that and I was able to not allow that to defeat me, it really helped me to be a much better kicker. The next nine years of my career, I didn't miss another game winner. And it was because I lost some of that fear of failure. And so if you have somebody on your staff that can talk to a guy and can, you know, has been there before and, and been in those same situations, you know, and can have empathy for them and help them walk through that mentally and free them up mentally. I think sometimes that's the biggest thing. Hey, if you have an NFL, if you have an SNL spoof made about you, that just means you've made it, Jay. So (laughs) now now I can look back and and feel that way. I didn't really feel that way in the moment when I was trying to keep my job. (laughs) Oh, I got it. But, But we talk about it all the time here on Lombardi Line that the kicking game is so important because it means the difference between winning and losing games in a lot of instances from winning and losing bets in a lot of instances. And that's why when you have a guy like a Justin Tucker, for example, you feel confident in that guy's leg going into tough situations. It's it's a really, really important of the game and where it's at today. I know you for week one are going to be in the booth for the Raiders and Broncos going head to head the start of the Sean Payton regime. What are you most looking for as you get set to break down that game on Sunday? 
Well, first of all, this week in Colorado, it's a Lombardi-Feely weekend, you know, because Mick Lombardi is coaching, you know, for the Raiders there. My son, Jay Feely, is kicking in Colorado. So, you know, Mike, you and I have a big weekend coming up uh, coming up in Colorado. So, But I, I'm no looking question. forward to this game. And can, can Sean Payton fix Russell Wilson? That's the big question that everybody wants to know. You know, and, you know, I think he'll do a really good job. There's a lot of things when you go back and you look at Russell last year that, that they didn't do uh, that led to his strengths. They didn't get him out of the pocket. They, they didn't get him on the run a lot. They didn't do bootlegs. They didn't do a lot of play action. I don't know why they didn't utilize, you know, some of those things that you know Russell Wilson does well. But I think most of all, Sean Payton's going to say, hey, I understand what your strengths are, and I'm going to play to your strengths. That's one of his greatest assets as a play caller is, you know, he's going to mold – He's not just calling plays, he's calling an offense. And he's going to mold that offense to the strength of his players. And so he's going to look at what Russell does well, and he's going to create plays based on what he does well. And he, he wants them, though, to be on time and in rhythm. He wants them to get the ball, to make the right reads, and then to utilize his, his ability you know, when, the play, when the play breaks down. And, and I think you'll see that. And I, and I think I have a lot of confidence from day one, Mike, when this job was available I said you have to go out and get Sean Payton because I really felt like yep. he was the guy to come in and to establish himself and to establish a culture. Everyone knows he's the alpha dog, and, and he can go in there and he can build an offense you know, to fit the skill set of his players that he has there. Yeah, no question. I, great respect for him. But let's shift to Dion. I was told reliably that Dion, you know, kind of took the win in stride with the staff and basically said they left a lot of meat on the bone on that game, that, that they're not settled, they're not satisfied with what they did. And he turned it up. And I'm sure Jace can speak to this, but I think having a guy like Dion who understands what it takes to be a championship team, I don't think they're going to be reading their, their glory. I think he's going to put the pressure on them. I wonder what Jace thought, Jace thought about that. Well, I think inside the program, they weren't as surprised as everybody else. You know, I had been telling people, you know, I was up there for a number of spring practices. I was up there in the fall as well, in training camp, getting ready and just kind of watching. And, and Shadir was better than, than, and I kept telling people, he's better than you think he is. You know, he is an accurate passer. He can spin it, and he throws the ball in there, and he plays with anticipation. And you saw that in the game against DCU. You know, so it wasn't a surprise for me to see him play well. And I kept telling people, how unbelievable Travis Hunter was, that he high points the ball better than anybody in college football. You know, and you saw some unreal plays. I mean, the play he made when he intercepted the ball in third and one, where he comes off of his receiver, they're in man coverage, and he comes off and sees the running back coming out of the flat, and it's wide open, and he, and he comes off his receiver and makes that play on that interception. Just unbelievable. Now, why they're running the ball in third and one, I don't know. And when I was in the stands watching it, I said it reminded me of Seattle against New England. Like, what are you doing? You just ran the ball from the two all the way to the two, and then you decided to throw it towards Travis Hunter. But um, I, I think that team is going to continue to progress. I think they get a lot better. I mean, they, they had 70-plus guys playing their first game together, you know, and to be able to play that well and to know that you're going to keep getting better. Mike, you and I know that the most prog- progress you make is between week one and week two. So hopefully they no can question. stay humble and, and continue to go out there and, and get better each week. Yeah, and the new AP poll just came out cementing some of the, the excitement around the program. Number 22 headed into week two in the national top 25 rankings. Uh, we're up against it. We only have about 10 seconds, but you excited for Tim? You're making the drive from Boulder up to Denver, right? Like you're going to both? 
I am going over on Saturday. There we go. Play in Boulder, and I'm going to get back in time to do production meetings on Saturday evening. <laughs> well done, sir. Well, well t- done. Tell the Lombardi boys you said hello. I appreciate you. I will. Sounds good, bud. That's Jay Feely. Again, he's going to be on the call for Raiders Broncos this coming Sunday on CBS. More college football when we return with Aaron Moore next. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. The NFL season is finally here, and you're going to want to make sure you get our updated NFL betting guide before games kick off this weekend. Our experts have been reevaluating every team throughout the preseason to give you the best betting edge. We've got picks from each and every on-air host, team-specific preseason analysis, how to use our VEASAN betting splits, and football contest strategies. If you want the best and most comprehensive collection of picks, predictions, and previews, now's the time to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber. You can do so for as low as $19 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription. Bet smarter all year long. Sign up today at vcin.com slash subscribe. And also, just good to note, I'll make sure that I check back in in the last segment as well for anybody who missed the breaking news of the day. As we get set for Thursday Night Football, the Kansas City Chiefs and Detroit Lions going head-to-head. Starting tight end for the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey's at 1,000-yard season after 1,000-yard season. Hyperextended his knee at practice. Andy Reid said that his status is questionable as it pertains to this opening week game. That spread largely held at 6.5. We're seeing it 6 right now. The total down a point from 54.5 to 53.5 across the board. But welcome back in to the Lombardi line. We're going to turn the page to some college football talk as VEASAN's own Aaron Moore joins the program. VEASAN.com writer at Pub Relation Prof on X. And we're, we've got you over Skype today. So super excited to see your face, Aaron. How are you? Very good, Stormy. Michael, thanks for having me. Yes, great to have you as well, especially after another crazy night of college football. I know you were high on this Duke team coming into the season. You bet their conference wins over that three-and-a-half win total, but I don't think that you counted Clemson week one as one of those wins potentially in your handicap. Boy, I'd love to be sitting here telling you, I saw that Clemson loss. (laughs) I saw Duke beating them back in in the summertime. Would love to tell you that. That wasn't the case, and, and, and it's kind of one of the reasons why I like to bet conference win totals over, because you look at it, it go, they go to Duke, Clemson, it's a conference game, there's a different level of excitement, there's a different level of the fans, the atmosphere it might play into it, so I think when you're looking at bets, look at conference wins, either over or under, because there's a whole different element to it than the entire win total of a team, and that could be in basketball or football. You know, Aaron, I mean, look, I tell my stockbroker all the time, don't apologize for making money. I mean, you call, they're going to go over, take the win, right? You know, even you know, even if you didn't see it happening. But, look, Duke's impressive. i got to say, they, they look like the better they were good. Their team looks different than I've ever seen them before. So I have this theory, and I want to hear what your thoughts on. I mean, Sam Hartman's a really good player. I know he's 24 years old, but he's a really good quarterback. And that Notre Dame PR machine – can create a Heisman. Would you have, do you have any interest in betting him for the Heisman? I think it was 12 to 1 last time I checked. And then tie that into for some reason you like NC State getting the points against Notre Dame this week, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to look at handicapping the Heisman, Michael, just from a media standpoint, then there's no better person to be the quarterback than Notre Dame. You know he's going to get national attention. You know there's always going to be a focus 
on his games and he's going to play high profile games. So Sam Hartman has that for an advantage. Maybe Caleb Williams has something close to that. Now Hartman has to be able to produce and not every quarterback at Notre Dame has won a Heisman. So there's still the production element of it. So I think what Sam Hartman has going for him, if you do choose to uh, take a flyer on him to win the Heisman, the media will be there for him. He'll have the support. Now, I'm going to go a little bit different this weekend because I was impressed with what I saw with NC State and what Brennan Armstrong can run the ball. Dave Doran has the ability to play a close game, great defense. The aforementioned Sam Hartman played three times against NC State while he was at Wake Forest, and in those three games, he has six interceptions. So there's a certain book now that NC State has on Sam Hartman, and I think that eight points was a great line where NC State at home, big game for them. I think they keep it close. I am a Notre Dame fan. I am a Sam Hartman fan, but I agree with your thoughts on Brendan Armstrong, and I like the fact that he was able to reconnect with his former offensive coordinator when he had that incredible season at Virginia. Robert and I, the two of them back together, their heads together, um, could be a good thing for the Wolfpack moving forward this season. Shadur Sanders, though, and Travis Hunter, Colorado had an amazing debut under Deion Sanders, obviously, with the upset win over TCU, but you don't think people should be running the window to bet those two for Heisman? Well, you know, what Michael was saying when he talks to a stockbroker, I'm going to tell you what I talked to my kids about. Don't overreact. And when I always say that, don't overreact and easier said than done. I watched the game. I'm sure you guys watched the game. It was the biggest talked about college football game of the weekend. And you have for Colorado two players that look like Heisman Trophy winners. They have the flash. They have the statistics. Sanders going over 500 yards. Amazing. Hunter playing all those snaps on both sides of the ball. Those are great elements to have for a Heisman Trophy winner. However, don't overreact because I would like to make a bet, Stormy. I don't know if there's any book that's willing to take it, but I'm going to bet next week or these upcoming games, there's going to be a spectacular player or two. There's going to be a new narrative. Blank, fill in that blank, looks like the new Heisman Trophy winner. So you just really can't overreact off of one game. And I think to put this in perspective, if you want to bet Sanders or Hunter, to win the Heisman Trophy, there has to be a certain combination of Colorado wins. So put a couple together. Are they going to beat Oregon? Are they going to beat Oregon State, Utah, USC, Washington State? So for those, either one of those two guys to win the Heisman, their team is going to have to win at least a couple of those games. And just to jump in here real quickly, too, on that same topic, like you look at how we were watching the LSU-Florida State game and we were saw, saw those Heisman odds moving in real time where Jordan Travis gets shorter, Jaden Daniels goes from 8-1 to one, to now he's 30-1. to one. We remember last year, Anthony Richardson, week one, and Florida upsetting Utah in the swamp, the big win there, and everybody's talking about him for Heisman and look at how the mighty had fallen throughout the course of that season. So this is a market that's super volatile um, and you got to Pick your spot, certainly for teams that you think are going to be able to have a little bit more of that long-term success. What was maybe something else, just something big that you feel like you learned or took away from week one that can help us as betters as we try to get set here for week two and beyond? So we just talked about the Colorado-Nebraska game. That was one of the biggest stories of the weekend. But I think from a betting perspective, what happened at the end of that Penn State game could be the biggest story of betting in college football. Penn State is up by 16 points with only a few seconds to go. The spread is 21 against West Virginia. 
you're in Happy Valley. There's tons of happy people with their white and blue shirts rooting on Penn State. A 16-point victory was not going to cover that 21 points. So what does what, what happens during the, the remaining seconds of the game? James Franklin, instead of having his team take a knee, he has them score a touchdown, which put them three scores with 12, 13 seconds to go. In this day and age, let's call it in the Vizan era, let's call it the, the um, legalized sports era, coaches know the spreads. They talk about the spreads. They are around alumni. They're around media. The, the spread is everywhere. So to say they don't know the spread, I don't believe that for a second. So what I saw at the end of that Penn State game was James Franklin wanting to cover the spread for the home team, make those fans happy. Now, what I'm going to do moving forward is I'm going to put James Franklin on a list, and I'm going to see if my list can get bigger. Who are some coaches that really want to cover a spread? And I think you keep that in mind during the game when you're live in betting. So when I, I didn't see the spread at the end because I wasn't watching it thinking they were going to get the 21 points, but now you have to have that original spread in mind. If a coach is going to make those home fans happy, he's probably going to find a way to get those points to cover. I think that's a new element in today's legalized sports era are what coaches cover, and I think they cover for a reason, and that's to make those home fans, alumni, happy. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I think he's chasing this. I think he's chasing style points, too. I think he knows he's got a good team. He's not in the national championship conversation. And he's hoping people will forget about the, what the last play was and just see that he had a 23-point win in the opening day game. You know, And I think that he's going to let that go and kind of work his way through that. But look, how can you not know what the point spread is? When I was in the league, you know, we knew who the favorites were. You, you kind of knew a little bit of everything, but you, you didn't have it in front of you constantly. It's running across the ESPN ticker. We have net, there's network. So to say you don't know, you're, you're really lying. You really don't know it. Let's go to the pride of New Jersey. Rutgers, big win opening day against Northwestern. Scored 24 points, which is up from their 17 that they scored last year. Held Northwestern to seven. You like them and lay in the 10 against Temple. And, and I think this situation, Michael, we look at style points. It's a good connection here. That I don't know how many wins Rutgers is going to get this season. And they have Temple coming in in Philadelphia, a team an hour and a half or so to the, to the south of them. This is a big uh, game in terms of Rutgers getting back to at least northeast pride, at least the ability to be one of the better teams in the northeast. Temple certainly did not do anything to impress against Akron. You have Rutgers with that big Big Ten lineup. I think they take it to Temple, and I'm going to use your words here, Michael. Style points matter for Greg Schiano. Aaron, awesome stuff. Appreciate you. Thank you Thanks, very Aaron. much. And while Good I might have lost badly on that LSU ticket over the weekend, Rutgers cashed for you, girl. I'm down with laying it again. Let's go. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.